Patient-centred care is the easiest way to provide the best care possible and to deliver it. We need a healthy dose of partnerships. Improving pathways, opening lines of communication or providing transparency across the continuum. These projects exemplify collaboration and are drastically improving outcomes for their consumers. I guess there is a reason why they say teamwork makes the dream work. Greetings, everyone. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here uh, with my collaborator, Michelle O'Connor. Uh, I'm Charu, and um, we're, gonna, we're here to talk about uh, Sing to Connect, a project that uh, involves culturally and linguistically diverse women and midwives. I'm currently with the University of Queensland, so, but when I did this project, I was with Griffith. It's one of those things where academics are moving like pieces on a domino's board these days. Um, but here we are. In, uh, so the setting is essentially Queensland. Um, and what brought this about um, is really that imperative for culturally responsive care models. So just a few statistics to get us started. Around 600,000 Australians um, per year are becoming parents. One in five, is, and that's a conservative estimate, women, uh, Australian women um, have or, or have indications of postnatal depression uh, and anxiety. And some of them are undiagnosed. So these are the diagnosed numbers. And we also know that the cost of, post, uh, of, of perinatal, uh, more broadly, um, depression and anxiety, uh, treatment and management in Australia is around $650 million. We know all of this, but we also know that one of the finest ways to get people in touch with their bodies, to reduce stress, and to improve well-being is through the creative arts, particularly music and particularly the notion of song. We are here standing in the land of the Yagara and Turbal people. The people um, of Australia have used song as a way to connect to land, as a way to feel a sense of cultural ownership, but also as a way to heal. And so Sing to Connect kind of brought this, these clinical needs, some of the specific urgent priorities in, in the context of health, face to face with some of the possibilities that the arts offers, and it distilled it into this program, Sing to Connect. And so here are some of the primary aims of this program. It really linked not only music with the mothers, especially with culturally and linguistically diverse people. They're new to the country, and some of the isolation and upstream drivers of health inequities that these populations experience are quite different from those experienced by others. And so when I came in contact with Michelle O'Connor and her team at the Maternal and Child Health Hub at Metro South Health, we had a conversation really about lives, people's lives, the preferences of these women, in the way in which the midwives care for their women, that relationship. It was all about relationships, and then we then decided, I mean, we kind of came to this epiphany, this idea that music is all about building those bonds. We know 
clinically that oxytocin is promoted because of singing. We know that cortisol levels decrease because of music. We know that these connections are brought about. So why not have those connections amplify the space of care, this community-centered care model, continuity of care model, and see what happens? And so Sing to Connect happened in 2020 in the wake of the social isolation and all of the, the nervousness that people were experiencing in the wake of the COVID lockdown. And at that time, um, it, it really kind of, of grew from a partnership between Logan City Council, uh, where we got a grant, and then uh, with Metro South Health. And uh, it was supported by a few other grants, the multicultural grants uh, that Michelle and I kind of went for. But it was basically singing um, workshops where mothers would come, midwives would come, we'd have a cup of tea, we'd eat something, and then we'd start singing lullabies from our languages. We'd start sharing stories about where we're from, from food to missing the mothers to missing their sisters. And then it would end with us writing a song about the messages of the day, but it also had an antenatal education component attached to it. I think Michelle uh, would be speaking a bit about that. But all of this together over 12, um, over a a time of around 12 uh, weeks in the mornings on Tuesdays happened at Logan. And in the end, we kind of came together. We had, um, we had a music making morning on the final day. Um, and after 2020, this again flowed into 2021. We had a music and movement sessions happening. So we, we realized very quickly that the women were moving along with their bodies when they were singing and that, you know, the natural rockabye happened. And we wanted to explore those affordances as well. It, it was very heartwarming because a lot of these women were not merely culturally and linguistically diverse, privileged migrants. They were refugees. And from, coming from refugee backgrounds, one of the things we found was that they were dealing with trauma. A lot of trauma um, was there, and we were careful and sensitive in our approach. So really using some of the trauma-informed approaches across music and midwifery to uh, ensure that you know, these, um, these voices were heard on their own terms and were safe and culturally safe as well. The education component was not just antenatal, and the antenatal part Michelle will talk about. It was also music education because they shared lullabies with each other. They taught each other songs in their languages. And what happened then was increased agency when the women undertook that role of sharing what is theirs what they believed to be theirs with others. So the sharing happened, and with that, the ownership happened. And we know that self-efficacy is very important in these populations to deal with um, some of the, you know, the, the, the difficulties that they do experience being away from family and being in lower SES uh, levels. Some of the outcomes are here. And uh, the words connection, spirituality, and healing uh, happened a lot. I mean, um, we we understood the importance of music. We saw the language uh, was important. Um, and now I would love to hand over to Michelle to speak about some of the midwifery perspectives. Thank you so much. Thanks, Art. 
So how lucky am I? Here I am again getting to talk about the hubs twice, um, which I'm really happy to be able to do. So I think I mentioned in my earlier presentation um, the placing of the midwifery uh, hubs in the community in these uh, culturally appropriate centres with wraparound services enabled us to re-engage with some of our community that were disengaged and in particular you know refugee and migrant women um, have so many barriers to um, engaging in the health service so once the um, hubs had been around for a couple of years we were having one of those amazing corridor conversations um, that often bear fruit and just a nugget of an idea and, and what if um, sort of was something that we started to dream about with Charu and um, so you can see, this, I've just put this comment up here, it's one of my um, favourite comments uh, from one of our consumers about the care that she received from her midwife in the refugee and migrant hub. So um, heartfelt um, and a really um, important message for her to give us, um, being someone that is likely to have, um, really know what it means to say those words. So um, I think... Uh, in Chara's article, The Becomings, um, that she has written about this program, she mentions um, creative pathways for displaced voices. And I think that um, that comment speaks volumes to me about what we've been able to do with this program. So midwives and women coming together in that space of creativity with movement um, and song and, and music and messages that... Um, aren't inhibited by stilted translated conversations that um, often don't um, really convey the messages that we're wanting to convey. And so what this program gave us the opportunity to do was deliver education about, you know, really important things, the birth journey, um, the placenta. We, there was a beautiful placenta song that um, was created out of this program, safe sleeping, breastfeeding, all of these messages that we embedded in song, um, and, and dance and music that may well have been in different languages, but it was really palpable how the, um, the collective understanding in the room, even though we were talking in different languages, and the women um, did say, um, and the feedback, a lot of the feedback we got was that um, they really uh, took those messages um, to heart and understood them all when they were in that creative space. It's difficult to articulate how this happens, and I, and I often say that when I'm talking about this program, but it, it certainly does happen. And um, it's sort of a little bit like the beauty of the hubs and um, bringing the care into the first 2,000 days is once, you know, you, you always want to say, well, what more can we do? Um, once we have the women engaged, once we're seeing those great outcomes, um, and so this was an example of, of something more that we could do. We were in 2020 and, you know, these, these women um, are isolated just, you know, as per usual because of language barriers and mistrust of the health system, isolated in their communities. And um, then we had COVID as well. So um, this is the environment to which we were able to introduce this program. Um, this is a little bit of um, the, the um, comments from the midwives um, about 
Um, we know what the women were saying to them. So some of this has come from Charu's um, article, The Becomings, and just gives you a sense of what we were able to create, um, how much the midwives valued the program and the women. And I, I, I've told this story before about, you know, the, one of the midwives saying these women um, come to us and often if we are journeying with them in their first pregnancy with us, it's not until after the birth that um, all of a sudden the light of trust comes on in their eyes because they're expecting people to let them down and or they're not quite sure what to expect from their health provider. And then when the midwife shows up at her birth like she said she would, and when she cares for her in the home like she said she would, um, all of a sudden um, these women are feeling um, like they can, they can trust their midwife. So what this program was able to do was actually fast track a little bit that trust and a lot of the midwives said you know we're feeling as though we're not having to get to that sacred space of birth to feel trusted we're, we're becoming uh, part of the family through this music and voice experience and becoming women and not just a health professional standing with women giving education and that hierarchical structure during these this program and this thing to connect what the midwives and the women were feeling was that they were just on this level playing field of this beautiful um, creative space of being together and creating together. And I think um, that's one of the messages that I've taken to heart about this program and, and how we can, once we're in those communities, um, partner with, um, you know, with other people to be able to extend um, and Charu, again, in her article, The Becomings, talks about how, you know, how, and I think one of the reasons why that was cho chosen as the title for your article is about, you know, becoming more than we already are. And um, certainly this program has shown us how we can do that. Sure. Let's go to the next one. Um, yeah. So here is a model that we did come up with. It's a theoretical model uh, of meeting of mu of music and midwifery uh, but really this is in the beginning stages the project so we did come up with a documentary film um, and there's a website but the future is quite bright we're uh, hoping to definitely continue this and scale it up um, and, and tease out some further implications for midwifery in the long term and for music as well um, so I'm wondering how to navigate and press the docufilm. Maybe I have to go back and um, one minute. Okay, no worries. So if, if you go to singtoconnect.com, you can see the wonderful documentary there. You can also download a report and read it. Um, and we really look forward to hearing from you guys if you would like to chat to us about it. If you're curious about aspects of it, uh, very happy to have that chat. My details are down here. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Have, have a good one. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.